0: Everyone, welcome back in. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0 on Monday, February 26th, with some NFL news, notes, and nuggets to get to uh, pertaining to the Minnesota Vikings and to the league in general. So excited to talk about all of that with all of you. To help me do that is my usual partner in crime and my co host, Giles who is going to be excited about some news that dropped over the weekend and we'll get his reaction from that. But first of all, we'll check in and see how he's doing. Hello, partner. How's it going?
1: Hey, hey, happy Monday Uh, and also happy Combine Week. Uh, Excited for all the different news coming out of Indy, Uh, one of the most underrated towns in the United States. So excited to see uh, who shows up, who stays home, so to speak. Uh, I think uh, the Combine is one of those interesting categories where, depending on the position, it's incredibly valuable. In other positions, it doesn't mean much. But I think for the Minnesota Vikings, for some of the players that they're going to be looking to draft here, uh, you know, come uh, uh, later this year, I think this combine is going to be incredibly important for them to stay tuned. So I'm excited to see what comes out, Indy.
0: Yeah, I am too. And, you know, the combine obviously is like an NFL convention. And and when you have it, an event like that, news comes uh, invariably. News comes from there. And invariably this offseason, the Vikings are going to be involved in some of the big news because um, the most important position uh, in the sport quarterback is up for grabs on the Vikings roster. Kirk Cousins technically will not be under contract for the Vikings. Um very soon. So there's going to be news there. And then for our money, the best non-quarterback in the NFL is under contract on the Vikings roster. But all we've been talking about with him is when is the new contract coming and is it going to come at all? And there's been some news on that front as well over the weekend that I know you wanted to get to, Giles. So yeah, lots of really fun, juicy um, things to talk about here when it comes to the NFL and the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe we start there, actually. I was going to go with uh, the news that dropped that caught my attention that I thought you would like. Uh, but let's let's start there with um, Combine, Jefferson, Cousins, and how it's all intertwined. Now, I did see some of these headlines, but you mentioned it kind of before we started recording, Giles, that you, you feel like it's seeming more plausible or at least more mainstream types are talking about the possibility that Justin Jefferson and the Vikings don't come to agreement on a new contract, and instead, um, there's a different type of transaction for Jefferson that Vikings fans won't like very much. So tell us maybe what you've seen or read uh, over the last few days that's kind of got you thinking that way.
1: Yeah, 100%. And before I get into the actual news, I think it's important to uh, highlight and call out that we don't necessarily know what uh, Quesi Dofa Mensah's drafting and building of team style is quite yet i mean he's been with the team for two years and i believe correct me if you would disagree from this philosophy but he spent the last two off seasons with uh uh all the different people inside tco performance studio really getting out of the cap hell that we were in up until this point i think he was trying to reset some contracts say goodbye to some players and get back into a much better place cap wise and Beyond that, I think the the one piece that we do know about Quaysha is, is that he's very analytic forward. He's a guy yeah. that likes to look at data and try to predict based on that data. And if you look at a lot of the teams that have went to the dance, <laughs> I'm thinking of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, beyond the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes, it's not uh, it's it's not lost on us to remember that they got rid of. Tyreek Hill. And a lot of people said, are they, are they nuts? Why are they getting rid of Tyreek Hill? And they went and won a Super Bowl after doing so. So yeah. if you kind of look at that lens and look at the data, I'm starting to wonder if Quezio Fomensa is starting to take a, a, a truly unified data-driven approach here. Whether I agree with it or disagree with it is another story. But if he's really looking at the data and trying to understand what's going to take to go win a championship... So, you know, with that context in mind that he's very analytics forward, it's become pretty widely reported this past weekend that Justin Jefferson and the Minnesota Vikings aren't necessarily on the same page in terms of what contract needs to be given, because JJ has been quite clear, uh, primarily through his agent, that he's looking to reset the wide receiver market. He's looking for, from what I've understood, at least three years fully guaranteed now I'm guessing that he's asking for a bit more than that, but at least for, you know for as a base foundational level, he's looking for at least three years fully guaranteed, north of thirty million. He's looking to reset the the wide receiver market. Now you'd be able to speak to this a little bit more than I can, but if you look at it from the Vikings' perspective. Um, Historically throughout the Wills tenure, they have not been on board with giving fully guaranteed contracts to any player. They made mm-hmm. an exception with Kirk Cousins, and even if you're a Kirk Cousins lover or if you're a hater for that for the, you know, regardless of whatever spectrum you're on, we weren't necessarily successful with that. Now you can point at different things and say why we weren't successful. We didn't go to the Super Bowl, right? We didn't we didn't achieve success up until this point. That doesn't mean that no, we can't, it just means that we didn't, right? Yeah. And yep. The Wilfs moved off of their normally ironclad position that they don't want to give fully guaranteed contract. So if you look at the, the immovable force or, you know, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object, which one will give? Will Justin Jefferson say, all right, I don't, I don't need a fully guaranteed contract or the Wils willing to move off of that position once again? Now, I don't know. I mean, you know, when you look at that, there's also been pretty widespread reporting throughout this weekend that the Vikings are opening or opening the idea of trading Justin Jefferson for, I'm guessing, quite a big haul. Now, whether that's the right or wrong call, it's kind of an interesting moment because I understand both sides of the fence. When you're J.J., you're the best non-quarterback in the NFL, at least into this point, and I'm guessing that he can continue on that position for a hot second here. Uh, but I also understand the Wills side of the fence, where... A fully guaranteed contract is not something you just want to hand out willy-nilly. Furthermore, if you understand how the, the salary cap works, if you hand out a fully guaranteed contract, you as the Wilfs need to go find all of that money and put it into an escrow account. It's not like, all right, I'll pay him in three years. You know, I'm, I'm committing to that, but I don't have yeah. to find the money for three years. You need to find the money today and put it in an escrow account. So you need to be able to come up with a lot of liquid cash immediately. So I understand all the different reasonings from both sides of the fence. Um, but at the point of the, the conversation today, it is is kind of a tentious point, which one is going to give, is it going to be the Vikings yeah. or is it going to be Justin Jefferson? The, I
0: don't, I don't know if it's true that he wants three years of his contract fully guaranteed or not. Um, if he, if they came out and said that and confirmed that I missed it. So, but even if they didn't do that, it could still be true. Um, to me, that's, you know, inside baseball, that that's just, bad business I think and I I get that the Browns did that with Deshaun Watson but for agents and players to start thinking about that and wanting that even floating it out there as posture I think is just bad business and I think it's a bad idea for teams to get hand those out Um, I think there are certain you can guarantee it for certain things guarantee it for injury or guarantee it for whatever but yep. to just fully guarantee a contract i think is opening up the pandora's box that shouldn't be opened i don't like that at all now it doesn't matter what i like and don't like it might be it is what it is if you know yep. if that's what they want that's what they want i i would really i am very pro if i you know analyzing it for the vikings i am very clearly in the camp of you should resign justin jefferson but If it takes a guaranteed contract to do that, I'm in the other camp. I wouldn't hand it out. I just wouldn't do it, you know, because I don't know where that stops. (laughs) I mean, um, I
1: completely agree. Yeah, Especially so. if your idea is to trade him two to three years into the contract or do anything with that, it really locks you into very limited options. And I think as a general manager, if you're looking at it from quasi Adolfo Mensa's lens, you want to give yourself options. Now I think a yeah. lot of people have looked at this with criticism throughout his first two years in the NFL. But I actually look at it with a little bit of commendation that he has been able to ride that competitive rebuild line fairly well and the idea that we have been competitive even when our starting quarterback and our starting wide receiver i mean heck every first position of our entire offense was hurt for a good portion of this last year our our quarterback one our wide receiver one our running back run our tight end one uh you know our offensive line was hurt at many points and we were still able to have a, a decent record so the point is he's been able to really w- ride that line very well while still resetting the salary cap still remaining competitive uh he's you know to to put it clearly he is put the Vikings in a position where they have a lot of options, right? And if you sign someone to a fully guaranteed contract, especially at that dollar amount, you are limiting your options of what you can do with him down the road, right? Yeah. You, are, you are taking away that flexibility. And I think that flexibility is a very valuable thing in the NFL. Unless you feel like this year is your win-now window, I think it's a bad idea to take away that flexibility.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the other thing is there's – the Vikings have the leverage right now in these yeah. negotiations. They have he's under contract next year hmm. and they have the franchise tag. Yep. Like it's the leverage is on the Viking side and and the risk right now is on Jefferson's side because every time he steps into a weight room, a practice field, a game field, the crosswalk of a busy intersection. He is assuming risk of being hurt and rendered unavailable or unable. And at yep. that point, his value plummets. Yep. So there's no reason the Vikings should hand out a guaranteed contract. There's nothing to compel them to do that.
1: Yep, correct. The the only reason that you could ever muster up is to keep him happy. And keeping him happy, obviously, is good for the locker room. But I don't think that should be dictated based on a $30 million a year cap hit, right? Yeah. yeah. I want to keep him happy, but that is not the number one priority. So, right. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I do believe that the Vikings are in a good position, though, because even if they cannot re sign him, he is still such a valuable asset that he would yield such an enormous return. Now, to be very clear, I'm on your side of the, the fence here as well. I would like to re sign Justin Jefferson. I think he is an amazing player. He's an, an inaccuracy eliminator. If you do decide yeah. to go get a quarterback, whether that is number one overall or somewhere in the draft, he is a guy that can help a rookie quarterback. And if you're thinking about building a Super Bowl franchise, it's best to build out your roster and then plug in a rookie quarterback if you're trying to put them in a position to win versus someone like the Carolina Panthers. They dismantled their team in order to get the quarterback. And now they're really struggling because there's no good pieces around it. Let's build an amazing engine and let's put the driver in the seat when it's ready to roll. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. best timing that uh, you can have as an NFL franchise. And I think Quezzi is more than likely trying to do that right now.
0: Yep. Here, here's the last thing too on this whole, the trade idea. Yeah. And then I, I want to go back to talking about like what it's going to take to re-sign them um I'm just quickly looking up just stats all right let's just do the last you know 22 and 23 for him obviously that, that's all we can do so he's got 392 let's call you know 400 catches jeez that's a lot of catches 392 of catches. catches in two years man Whew, that's I mean that that is the the production is insane anyway if you did his averages for rece- for receptions yards and touchdowns and did it on a per year basis and then he gets traded somewhere yep. I would I would play the under in his next two years if if you set the over under as his averages in the first two years I would play under in every category in the next two years because it's hard enough to get drafted to the right team, be a good fit, have a good quarterback and be productive and stay healthy and all that. It's hard enough to do that one time. Yep. Now you're hoping that wherever you get traded to is a similarly good fit with a similarly good offense with a similarly good quarterback and you stay similarly healthy. Yep. Like from a career production standpoint to Jefferson, I'd be like, you better be careful about that. Getting traded, going to another team. Yep. Odds are it's, it's a decrease it's go down, in your production. That's what yeah, the, the grass are. is
1: greener on the other side of the fence. <laughs> uh, I mean I could not agree more. And you're not even factoring in the play caller. I think there are teams that have amazing weapons but then from a play calling standpoint things fall apart. Now, I'll do respect to the the OC back in 2017, or I'm sorry, 2018, but when Kirk Cousins came here, I believe that we did not properly install the right system and we spent yeah probably half a season trying to figure it out. And we wasted such opportunity. I think a lot of people put that entire blame on Kirk Cousins' shoulders, and there's definitely some blame to throw there. But at the end of the day, it shows how valuable your scheme and your play calling is. You can have amazing weapons, but if you're not all on the same page in a system that meets where the players are at, it's all going to fall apart. So to your point, that could blow up in JJ's face and he could really dwindle as, as a player. I mean, he's obviously an amazing player, don't get me wrong, but to your point, from his production standpoint, he's not going to achieve... The type of numbers that he had, if he goes to a lesser team,
0: he's not even someone I mean, like
1: the Carolina Panthers or even the Washington Commanders. Teams that have the ability to pay him, they don't have the infrastructure in place to be able to. Well,
0: no, they don't. I mean, so you know, he's his first four seasons: eighty-eight catches, one hundred and eight, one hundred and twenty-eight, and then sixty-eight. Yep. You know, so I mean, it's 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 about the last two years. It's been ninety-eight catches a year. Now he. I don't know. Let's say even a good scenario, like he goes to the Chargers. He gets traded to the Chargers or he gets traded. Like there are still things that could get in the way of that. And he would be short on his numbers, but more than likely it's not going to be, he's going to play with Mahomes or Herbert or someone like that. It's more than likely he's going to play with someone of similar or lesser caliber to cousins. Yep. Most likely. Yep. So, I think they need to focus on on staying together. Now, what will help them is the news that came about over the weekend that I think you're going to like and it's the salary cap. Now, the 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 NFL releasing its salary cap for the upcoming season is akin to Christmas morning for Giles, okay, everyone, because you know, he's <laughs> he's all about the numbers and the figures and the cap and the cash over cap and how we're going to make it all fit and how we can do this and that. So, it's a it's about a thirty million dollar increase year over year to the salary cap, which is the largest year over year increase in the cap's history. Mm-hmm. So this is going to offer this is good news for teams from the standpoint of retaining players or signing players, and it's good yep. news for the players yep. from the standpoint of it's more money for them. Yep. Um, so to me, I've always been very confident that Jefferson would be re-signed by the Vikings. In fact, I think they were very close to it last year. Mm-hmm. But now I'm even more confident that it will get done because of the, the increased cap room. It's the largest increase year-over-year year that we've ever seen. I just don't see why it can't get done.
1: Because now there's so much extra wiggle room. Now, I do think that the you know the primary modus operandi for that cap increasing beyond the fact that advertising dollars are being directed mm-hmm. more towards the NFL is obviously the inflated contracts from a quarterback perspective. In the last few years, the average annual value has gone from the mid-20s to... The mid '50s, right? So that, yeah. that that is accelerating at a very rapid pace, and the salary cap obviously needs to keep up pace to to keep those things rolling. But with that being said, there's a time, you know, in an intermediate time that that you know it takes to actually massage in, and I think the Vikings are going to be able to truly leverage that. Where yeah. if you got creative, which I truly believe the Vikings are, when you look at all the smart people they have inside Egan, I think they actually have the ability to re-sign Daniel, re-sign JJ. I think if they're able to really play bullnose hard dog negotiation, they may be able to sign Kirk Cousins to a one-year deal. Uh, I I don't know if that's the case, but I think if Kirk Cousins is willing to deal, I think they could sign it for a one-year deal, draft a rookie quarterback and have amazing production this year and enter 2025 with an amazing infrastructure. I I truly believe with this increase, they have the ability to go balls to the wall with all these different players. I really do. Now, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that need to happen, but the ability is there. That's for sure.
0: OK, well, yeah, and, and that could happen. So let's spin this forward now to what um, what we kind of wanted to talk about with folks. I went actually onto the Vikings website and saw that they had a, an interview with Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus PFF. He's sort of a, a salary cap analyst, but he's got a Vikings uh, bent to him. Um, yep. I believe he was an intern with the Vikings, and I'm going to feel bad if he was there when I was there. Uh, But I don't remember him, but I know who he is. He does great work yep. on PFF. And I know when I mentioned it to you guys, you knew him. So, um, oh, yeah. or knew, Definitely. knew of Follow him regularly. So, yeah. Okay. So he, he is on the re-signed Daniel Hunter, uh, bandwagon with you and I, he, he actually, he might've said they can't afford not to do it. Is what he said, yep. which is like you know one of my, my, my one of my mom's famous lines and my wife's famous line. Like when they see a deal at the mall or the store, it's like, well, we we can't afford not to buy this, you know, <laughs> like it's such a good deal, you know, it's like okay, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I actually think he's right. I think you have to have Hunter back because the cost of not having Hunter is greater than the cost of having him. If yep. you factor in like how you're going to rush the passer now, right? Um, you still have to sign someone and you're going to sign someone for nearly as much, but he's not nearly as good. So from that standpoint, it's costing you more than if you would have just given Daniel Hunter the brinkstruck. Um, and, and he's actually bullish on this free agent class in general, Giles, where the Vikings have needs. He said this actually, when you look at strengths and weaknesses of the roster for the Vikings, and then the draft class and the free agent class, this matches up very well for the Vikings. Where they need help, The free agent class and the draft class are strong. He really likes the interior defensive lineman free agent class. The three names he mentioned were Justin Matabuke from Baltimore, Christian Wilkins from Miami, and DJ Reader from Cincinnati. Now, I think that he's a little too low on DJ Reader. I think DJ Reader is maybe the best of that group. And I have a feeling that another person that we're going to talk about later in this episode of the Wobcast 2.0 also really likes DJ Reader, so the Vikings will be in competition with that person and his new team for DJ Reader. Um, yeah. But I think those are three very good names for the Vikings, and I would love it if DJ Reader was on this roster um, yeah. along with um, Daniel Hunter. But I thought it was interesting that um, he was so bullish on the free agent class where the Vikings have need, and he went right to the interior of the defensive line and talking about that. So I will open the floor to you now, Giles, uh, after talking um, so for so long about that, but um, a, f- a fun, interesting uh, piece of commentary from Brad Spielberger on the Vikings website right now.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I think uh, it needs to be explicitly stated when it comes to Neil Hunter, that if the Vikings do not re-sign him, they and us as fans need to be prepared for the Vikings defense to go back to a bottom five unit. And uh, that is both because I am high on Daniil Hunter and his production. He had one of the most underrated seasons last year, both in his history, but also the general NFL. But I think it's also important to to really analyze how the, the Minnesota Vikings defense is predicated and built. And it is built on pressure and the illusion of pressure. And I think it was very clear this last year that they did an amazing job at the illusion of pressure. And the problem that ultimately became found out towards the end of the season is that our team wasn't built to be able to win one-on-one reps when it came or it came to our defensive line they just simply yeah. were not and that exposed the back end and the entire thing kind of fell apart now I'm a big believer in Brian Flores and his ability to be creative and to really be a magician of sorts, to be illusionist. But at the end of the day, he can only be an illusionist for so long. And if you expect our secondary to hold up, unless you're gonna go sign a lockdown corner, we'll talk about that later with Xavier Howard, maybe, uh, with being released by the Dolphins. If you unless you plan on going that route, you need to be able to absolutely 110% every rep be able to win one on one matchups. And yeah. If you plan on getting rid of Daniel Hunter, what are you replacing him with? Because he was the only guy on our defensive line that was able to actually win one-on-ones. And I need two or three, even four people to be able to win one-on-ones if you actually in- attempt to go win a championship. So... If you lose him, you're now literally going back to square one. I wanted to keep Daniel Hunter. I think you need to resign him, go draft somebody and resign somebody via free agency. Like, I mean, it'd be amazing if you could get like a Chris Jones on the interior and also have uh, huh. Neil Hunter. I don't think that's possible with the salary cap. But to your point, if you could get a DJ reader, have a deal Hunter and draft somebody high uh, from a defensive interior standpoint. That is how you are going to be able to win one on one matchups and yep. actually truly be able to ex- exploit the creativity that you have in Brian Flores. One hundred percent believe that. So, uh, to your point, you cannot afford to lose Daniel Hunter. Full stop.
0: Yep, I, I agree. They got to bring him back, and I think they've got room to go get an, an elite interior defender as well. The names we mentioned are, are definitely viable candidates, as are some others. Um, Sticking with free agency, uh, I want to go to the I want to go to the PFF mock draft as well, but yeah. let's let's stick with free agency first. Um, you saw the Bears release Cody Whitehair and Eddie Jackson a week or yeah. so ago. Might, might be ten days by now. They saved twenty one and a half million dollars against their cap by doing that. Now, I, I think these are true salary cap casualties. I think that in a perfect world, they would retain those two players, but. They didn't find the, the cost-benefit analysis worked out in in the direction of parting ways with those two players. I think they both have something left to give teams. So I'm not going down this road because I think those are candidates for the Vikings to sign, although maybe they are, especially in the case of Cody Whitehair. Um, here. Yeah. But... Uh, um, I'm going at it from the standpoint of similar exercise here for the Vikings with current members of the team. Now, one of our favorite websites is SpotRack. So those yeah. listening or watching who don't know about this website, go to it, SpotRack. Um, it's a salary cap analysis for professional sports, not just the NFL for all sports, but it's particularly uh, relevant for our discussions because of its NFL information. They have a new feature, at least new for me, I haven't seen it yet, where you can um, choose to cut or restructure certain players contracts and it will calculate what your the new cap it is for that player and what the team's cap room is so i was messing around with that a little bit and thinking about you while i was doing it and you know there are some things you can do with harrison smith when it comes to restructure or release to harrison phillips when it comes to restructure or release and to brian o'neill when it comes to a restructure where you can save up to 17 18 19 million dollars um, while still retaining two or three of those players. So I encourage you all to go and mess around with that um, on Spot Rack. But um, thoughts, Giles, on restructuring Brian O'Neill's contract to reduce that number and then parting ways or restructuring the contracts of Harrison Smith and Harrison Phillips to free up some cap space.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think uh, starting with Brian O'Neill, I actually am a believer that his entire contract was built specifically to restructure this offseason based on an leader that yeah. lives yeah, 100%. And and I would say at this specific point in the contract, uh, when you look at the cap hit, oh, so okay. um, I truly believe this is what what was meant to happen. I don't think that you can afford to lose him. Uh, When you look at uh, the Minnesota Vikings, whether you have Kirk Cousins or you draft a rookie uh, or you keep both, right? I think you absolutely need two amazing bookend tackles. And Brian O'Neill is that he's clearly a top 10 tackle in the NFL when he's healthy. Uh, So... I, I do think this is the time to restructure uh, and, and kick that can down the road and, and give yourself even more cap space to be able to go sign all the right players, especially if it means uh, giving yourself the ability to have Jamil Hunter and someone like that. So definitely restructure him keep him. I think he needs to retire in purple. He's a guy that has consistently been proven to be uh, amazing at every rep. So yep. uh, g- keep him around at a lower lower cap at this year. Uh, moving on to uh, Harrison Phillips. Um, this is one where I want to keep him in the building unless you can find a better player, Uh, because I've talked about this before a a lot, but I think when you're looking at uh, premier positions or positions of importance, I am never a fan of getting worse to get cheaper. I'm always a fan of getting better. That that should always be the top priority. Better first, cheaper second. Now, if you can get better and cheaper, that's always the top priority, but that's one of those positions where we're already doing so bad from the defensive interior standpoint that unless you're going to get better, Let's keep him around. Uh, no, I think I would restructure him and obviously to keep him there because I don't think his performance is like show stopping amazing, but. I, I also think you could do far worse. Uh, now, I would actually be of the frame of mind. If we can replace him and get better, let's do that. I would prefer to do that because our defensive interior is something that needs to be upgraded. But unless you can upgrade, I do prefer to keep him around. I don't want to just just see how things go and not, not, uh, not get better. So that's kind of my position there. So hopefully we can get better. In that case, I'd le- we'll be willing to let him walk. Um, but in other th- uh, that other case, let's, let's make sure we restructure Um, And then moving on to Harrison Smith, Mm -hmm. that is one where I think I'm willing to have it be a cap casualty. I think his age and uh, his, even his comments publicly have indicated that he is on the latter end of his career. He's even talked about how he's not going to really announce his retirement. He's just going to slowly walk off into the sunset and just not really talk about it. And I took that as kind of a, uh, a forewarning that he's going to be retiring this year. So I do expect mm. him to not suit up in purple. He's been obviously an amazing uh, piece of the Minnesota Vikings, a cornerstone when it comes to the culture and the leadership of the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So um, kind of sad to see him go in a new era entering, uh, but I do expect him to no longer be suiting up in purple, whether that's us cutting him or his re- his retirement, but I don't expect him to come back, uh, which obviously wow. gives you a little flexibility when it comes to cap space. Ultimately, that will be accelerated, so that's definitely something to keep in mind when it comes to salary cap and cap hit this specific gear. Um, but I think it's also important to mention that Lewis Seen has weirdly stayed on this roster, even though his, his, uh, performance has not been great. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make a prediction. Either he is cut in the very, very near future where he's not on the NFL roster, or, uh, ultimately he has been slowly recovering from his injury back in London. And they think he has an amazing upside that they are really n- really slowly nursing back to health um, I think there's nowhere in between he's like a starter level caliber safety or he is off the roster and that's mm. obviously brought into to the conversation if Harrison Smith is no longer in the roster we obviously need another starting safety okay
0: I you you went to the that's the end for Harrison Smith thing um yeah. I I was a little more like I think maybe one more year with him. I think he's got one more year left, but you're, you're, you're suggest suggesting maybe not. Um, I think you can reach now. He's got to be willing to do this. I think you can get it from 19 million down to 11 and save 8 million in cap space there. Um, would you want him for 11 and a half million? Oh, man. Or is that too much?
1: Personality-wise, I do because he is such a cornerstone, but when you look at performance, I feel like that's still too much. Okay. All right. Yeah. And I hate saying that. I mean, Harry would hit me in the face if he heard me say (laughs) that. I think he's a great guy. Uh, But I think performance-wise, 11 mil is still too much. Uh, He had a pretty significant drop-off in performance last year. Now, I think that he's a guy that can call protections out and really be kind of that second uh, dot player, uh, so to speak. But I don't know. I still think that's too much. You you call me out if I'm being too outlandish here, but I feel like that is one where he might be a cap casualty. Am I am I ludicrous here? Am I am no? You're, I, you're not
0: ludicrous. You're you're not. You're not. You might be a pragmatist here and and realistic. And at some point, you just got to make the jump and do it and li- yeah. and and live life without Harry on defense. It's just at yeah. some point. It's got to happen. Is this the year? We'll find out. Um, but. I just think from a a leadership and organize everyone and an experience standpoint, you lose a lot when you lose them. And I, I think you kind of, I don't want to say you got lucky, but like with Cam Bynum stepping up and playing as well as he did, like you got to feel really good about that. And can you do that again at the same position? I just don't know. I think the drop-off's bad. I know Harrison's drop-off from where he played at for a really long time to where he was last year was a significant drop off. Yeah. But I still think where he is at is good, is really good and you can win with it. So I'd be interested in exploring the idea. Now, the other okay. thing is if there's another drop off with Harry, that's yep. a bad one. That that like you don't want to be a part of that one. Like that's a problem. That's like you yeah. went from like, we got to avoid 20, like the other offense is like, we got to avoid 22 out there. He's going to kill us too. uh Where's 22. We got to find yeah, him exactly. and go out. Right. So you don't want to yeah. be in that situation. And so if your analysis of him is that that drop off is imminent, then you got to move on. Then it's got to be time yeah. to go. And um, you know, you save some, you know, you do something very dignified and you part ways or there's a retirement or whatever. But yep. if so, if anyone can really feel strongly and make a compelling case that he's got one more year left of where he was last year, then I'd be interested in keeping him. Now, you and I are both very analytical, but also both um, we love to just watch it and have gut reactions. And we're looking at the same player and the same data set and have slightly different opinions on this. And that yeah. just goes to show you that the the act of building a roster is – as much of an art as it is a science, right? Yep. Two people can look at the same thing and think two different, you know, have two different ideas. So we'll yep. see what happens here. Um, either way, uh, what a career for Harrison Smith, even if it's over for the Vikings. Uh, if he's got one more year, uh, it'll be fun to watch. But um, yep. it's fun to monkey around with that um, that part of the SpotRack website. It's called, I think it's called Manage Roster. Manage. Um, yep. Yeah, so, you Brilliant. know, you go to... It's it's really, yeah, it's fun. All right, um, right, let's go to, really quickly, the uh, Pro Football Focus's first mock draft guiles I thought was interesting. Yeah. I made a few notes on it. Um, Four quarterbacks went in their top 10, including J.J. McCarthy at number 10, one spot in front of Minnesota. So then Minnesota took an edge rusher, the Florida State edge, um, Jared Verse, and then Minnesota also traded up back into the first round and got Bo Nix at number 30. Now, conceptually, I think that's fine to put into a mock draft, and if the Vikings did that, conceptually, that'd be great. And I don't think it's realistic how PFF did it because they had um, Minnesota giving up number 42. So moving from 42 to 30, and all they had to give up was a third-round pick next year. I think it would take more than that. And it, it was, I was with Baltimore. Say that feels very
1: light, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you're Baltimore and Minnesota says, "Hey, we want to come up 12 spots into the first round," you know why they're doing that, right? Oh, they're coming course, yeah. up in there to get that fifth <clears throat> that fifth year option, right? Yes. To get a yeah. quarterback. So, yeah. as you've talked about before, Giles, when the team that you're dealing with knows your intention is to get a quarterback, the price tag goes up, right? Yeah invariably
1: there's a, there's a tax of sorts that gets applied like oh that's a good gonna way to put pay here
0: yep there's a the tax yep. um so i think it's unrealistic that that's all it would take is a third round pick but conceptually i like the idea rick spielman did it with teddy bridgewater um you know yep. and that's how the vikings got got teddy yet i think it was 31 or th- might have been number 32 it might have been the last pick of the dra- of the first round so yeah um interesting i thought there um that that's what PFF had. They had four quarterbacks going in the top 10, which is a, a high number. Um, and I think the JJ McCarthy thing is, you know, people love him because he's a winner and they'll take him. Or people are just like, this guy's no good. He was on a great team with Jim Harbaugh. He's not a first round pick, whatever. It's, it's a, you know, JJ McCarthy's a love hate situation there. Uh, yeah. But, you know, kind of, you know, food for thought and, and fun to look at either way.
1: Yeah, 100%. Now, I will say if it does go down this route, this tells me that uh, Kirk Cousins walked in free agency, um that they're going Bo um cuz honestly, I'm not a huge Bonix guy. Uh, when yeah. I'm looking to build my roster around, I like yeah. I'd much rather reposition your draft board to try to trade up, trade up higher. Uh but ultimately if this is where it goes, I mean, we'll give it a try, right? But at the end of the yep. day, I'm not in love with this quarterback specifically. Um but the ironic part here is that uh, obviously PFF does multiple uh, mock drafts across a lot of different analysts, and I forget who it was—I don't—I don't remember exactly who it was. But a, another PFF uh, mock draft came out recently, and at pick eleven they had the Vikings going with Bonex. So there's a <laughs> weird correlation there. I don't know if there's insider knowledge that we're not privy to, but two mock drafts with Bonex going to the Vikings, both. Uh, was well, that, pick thirty uh, and pick eleven. I don't know. That's interesting. I,
0: I just can't see Bonix being drafted by the Vikings. I just don't see no. it. No, I it agree. just wouldn't make sense to me. It wouldn't fit quezy's profile it's not no. the type of player he would draft I just and maybe I'm dead wrong like you know obviously quezy listens to the Wobcast 2.0 so he's listening right now laughing at us because he's got <laughs> bone circled I don't I have no idea that would shock, <laughs> shock me though that would surprise me yeah um yeah, but you know, we we will see there will be more mock drafts to come and then um ultimately uh the real NFL draft will happen but um Fun time of year right now, Giles, Um, lots of fodder out there, lots of hypotheticals, um, and now deadlines are coming up, right, because there's combine, there's the window to designate and put tenders and tags on people, the new league year is starting, the pre-league year negotiating window is starting, and then, I mean, so deadlines are coming up here on the calendar, which means transactions uh, will be happening as well, and it's a lot of fun to sit here and talk about it and analyze it. Um, That's... What I have, though, for today's show, anything left in your notebook that we didn't tackle?
1: No, just excited to see what comes out of the Combine this week. This is yeah. the the unofficial negotiation window. I think people are naive if they don't think conversations started oh, uh, at yeah. you know, the Combine before free agency technically starts. So I think yeah. uh, uh, things are really, really going to start rumbling up. I, I do expect some team, maybe this Minnesota Vikings, uh, to trade up before the draft starts. Uh, yeah. I do expect the, the board to get a little bit mixed up here. So excited to see how this thing falls here, yep. here over the next few weeks.
0: Yep, me too. And this is not the last Wobcast 2.0 of the week, everybody. Giles and I are going to be recording a um, season-long position review episode, and we will focus on the cornerbacks of the Minnesota Vikings from 2023 as we analyze their performance, what went wrong, what went right, and how can they make it better for 2024. So that episode of the Wobcast 2.0 will be dropping later in the week. If you're not already, make sure you like, follow, and subscribe the Wobcast 2.0. You can find us wherever you find all your other favorite football content, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, all those other places. Come and find us and join the conversation. Once you do, we'll see you there. Until next time, and on behalf of Giles, this is Wobby signing off for now. Skull Vikings.